0: Today's episode is brought to you by No Boring Design. Wow, what a name. No, we know this team well. We've brought them in to help with a number of engagements when design becomes a bottleneck for shipping campaigns quickly. Uh, Also when design is boring, right? A lot of B2B status quo becomes boring and it doesn't have to be. So we bring this team in, they level up the quality design and they remove design as a bottleneck to ship campaigns, content, product marketing assets. You name it, if it needs a design and you're hung up on it, this team can help. Um, somehow they managed to do this. I think their price point starting out is 2,500 a month uh, obviously goes up from there, but what a great resource. We've seen them firsthand do great work with Dropbox, Yelp, a number of our big clients they've been a part of. so. Check them out, noboringdesign.com. Noboringdesign.com. Welcome to Season 3 of Best in SaaS, where we talk through patterns and playbooks in the revenue sprint to 100 million in ARR and beyond with the industry's most accomplished executives, entrepreneurs, and investors. Season 3 is brought to you by ChargeBee. ChargeBee helps SaaS businesses of all sizes maximize their growth potential and revenue with a leading global subscription management platform that delivers fast time to value plus exceptional service and support. Learn more at chargebee.com. All right. I'm very excited for today's episode. We have Johanna and I'm going to butcher her last name because it's Swedish. <laughs> F- Fagerstad. Can you say it? I'm Yeah, uh, Steps. Okay. All right. There we go. I made it way more complicated than it needed to be. (laughs) Um, You are the CMO at Quinix and you were also recently um, awarded top 50 women SaaS leader. So 2020, that's amazing. I'd love to learn more about (laughs) your journey to that moment.
1: Yeah, sure. So yeah, I'm Johanna, Um, I joined the SaaS world about 10 years ago uh, when, uh, when I joined Quinix. We were six people at that time, so small startup. And uh, yeah, started that journey, uh, doing everything. Joined as a CMO uh, or business developer, but did everything from marketing, recruiting to sales to watering the the plants, like you do in the <laughs> beginning.
0: <laughs> that was
1: uh, yeah, exactly. Super fun journey. Did that for about a year, and then actually went into management consulting for a couple of years. And then came back seven years ago uh, when we were about 30 people in the business and then has been a part of growing the business ever since. Uh, so it's been super exciting taking clinics from a Swedish company from start, uh, but then growing in Europe and now entering the US uh, last year.
0: So that's really interesting. What was what was behind the decision process to go into management consulting initially and then and then ultimately come back?
1: Yeah, well, I was I was quite fresh out of business school at the time. And um, I I kind of realized that I needed the toolbox that you get from being in management consulting. Um, It was the super insightful year. So worked a lot, uh, learned a lot, (laughs) almost worked 24 seven. But then when I came back, it was good to have that kind of like strategic background and foundation. And I think that's been super helpful when entering new markets, uh, organizing the team and uh, looking at the leadership aspect as well too. So I always make sure to really set aside time for reflection. It's so easy to just run when you're in a fast growing tech uh, company and that's what everyone expects you to do, but really setting aside time to do your strategy and do kind of like do the modeling behind it. I think it makes uh, quite a lot of difference So yeah, it's been, it's been good.
0: (laughs) Big takeaway, take time to think.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, that it's not that easy. I think it's something that I struggle with myself to really do because it's so easy to forget once you're in that kind of like pace and just running. And especially in a year like this, when everything changes so quickly and you kind of feel that you have to do lots of things to um, compensate for things being lost, but then setting aside a time to really reflect and create your plan i think makes uh, a lot of sense
0: so uh, let's unpack that uh, let's go back <laughs> to the beginning of the year you had a, a perfect plan in your mind for what the year was going to be and then let's go to that moment where you realized that plan wasn't going to work anymore given yeah. everything that was going on what was your what is your process like or what was your process like in creating that time to reflect and then Within that space, what did you do with it?
1: Yeah, so we as a business, we were quite quick looking at the risks because we, and I think the big takeaway was when the U.S. closed their borders, which was something that was completely unbelievable. We never thought it would happen. And we had a whole team in there. We had a team in Europe, and now we also have a team in Australia. Uh, So that was really, (laughs) I think we were all in a shock and kind of panic uh to start with but then we uh got together and started discussing like what to do now well we need to kind of like preserve cash flow and see how we do that in the in the smartest possible way Uh, so going back to the drawing board and uh looking on our plan b and then executing quite fast so that's been something that's been crucial this year being agile uh really testing things fast and seeing what works and kind of like doing more of that than the things that don't work. Just try something else, evaluate, tweak, classic, agile modeling.
0: <laughs> how do you, how do you build conviction quickly as you're testing things and you're, you're trying to figure out how to replace your bet? So to speak, you're looking mm. for signal in these tests. At what point do you feel comfortable that your tests are validated and you should push on in that direction further?
1: Oh, that's a really good question. I think it's all a matter of having a combination of, of really good data, but then also some <laughs> some gut feel to that and working with really good people who know know their fields. And for us, we have teams in lots of different markets. So it's all about having good people on the ground and really testing, I'd say. Uh, but then uh, I would say that quite quickly, you realize if something works, if you have, for example, a campaign that has a good traction or something that is really unique on a market that stands out, uh, it really you could really notice. And then on the other hand, if it's something that's too generic or just doesn't fly, then just don't do it again. But always setting aside that time to reflect and evaluate.
0: So you mentioned something just now about your teams being all over the world Mm -hmm. and I'd imagine that throws an entirely, you know, it's a new, another dimension to worry about as you're planning, how have you organized the team for success when you're globally distributed?
1: Yeah, that was something that changed really quickly as well, because we were so used to being able to fly and see each other and really meet in person, which suddenly wasn't possible. But using good, good SaaS tools to communicate, like Zoom, for example, has been crucial. And then also finding ways to really connect uh, and finding ways of communication. So I think it's, it's good from my background as a management consultant. I think it was the same thing there, to really look at what's our big strategy, what's our big goals, and then creating that framework. And then within that, give lots of freedom So as long as they reach their goals, they're quite free to test whatever
0: tactics that might work. So do you have you, it seems like you come back to this, like take a second, think, have a big strategy. How do you Mm -hmm. coach, whether they're on your team or maybe even other leaders who aren't on your team, when you see someone getting caught up in the weeds and not taking that step back and, and seeing that bigger picture, what's. How do you approach those situations?
1: Oh, good question. So what we do is we have uh, weekly check-ins to really look at the different priorities, but then and then also find forums where we can discuss the different uh, projects that we're working on at the moment. But it's a good question. I think that's um, yeah, it's hard. I don't know. <laughs> I think something having that close dialogue with people and really making sure that we are on top of things and looking at the numbers quite constantly, but also making sure that people are are doing all right.
0: It's amazing how just keeping things, keeping the strategy piece in front of people. We, we started yeah. using the V2 Mom framework from yeah. Mark at Salesforce Mm-hmm. And just We like, use the same one. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: yeah.
0: It's the best. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, just putting it in front of the team and reminding them, you know, hey, like this is this is where we're working towards. This yeah. is how we're thinking about things really makes a big difference um, mm-hmm. in, in alignment. So...
1: And what's your takeaway from that? Sorry. So working with the V2 mom plan, what was your biggest takeaway from working in kind of like that way?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, rem- it really reminds me. So in, in almost all of the companies that we work with... one of the, like CEOs will ask me, Hey, what's the engagement going to look like? And Mm -hmm. I say, you know, as much as CEOs always like to think that their teams are aligned, they're usually not. And so when we ask, you know, who's your buyer persona, what's your buying committee look like? What's your ICP to you as the CEO, and then to, you know, the head of sales and then to an intern, shockingly, they almost always don't answer that question the same way. And so, in the same way that for us one of the first exercises that we go through with our clients is getting them to to find that alignment and really unpacking understanding who these people are that they're trying to target. I think the V2 mom does the same thing for company alignment on a broader not just marketing related scale. And so mm-hmm. it's almost like we're we're eating our own dog food and and getting the team all on board with seeing the same vision so that they understand what piece you know if they're off working on a small piece of the puzzle it's easy to get lost and not feel like they're part of the bigger picture or feel like that puzzle piece relates somehow to what you know we're talking about at the high level so i've seen the the, the teams motivation and alignment go way up because they it makes them feel confident that what they're doing plays into the big picture of the company
1: yeah, no, completely agree. And that's super interesting. And one thing that I've tried is also taking that kind of framework and using that in a smaller team, like the marketing team, for example. So creating a vision and a mission for the marketing team to really gather around and then looking at kind of like the bigger picture and making sure that everyone finds their place in that team and know how to uh, to help leading up to the bigger picture so one that- thing we actually did this year as well was because we acquired an ai a scheduling company a couple of months ago was to go back to drawing board again looking at our own go-to-market plan which was super interesting and has been really really useful because when you've been just running for a couple of years you kind of forget and you bring so many new people on board <laughs> so doing it, looking at that again and doing it kind of like from scratch and getting the insights from key people in the business has been really insightful. So we use this classic framework. So who are we selling to? Uh, Why do our uh, prospects need this? Where do we reach them? What are we selling? How do we go to market? And when should we launch our products? And starting speaking about that again in the team, it's been super impactful.
0: That, I mean, that sounds amazing. And again, it goes, almost goes back to just take a giant step back, back to the basics, think more simply at, at the strategic level before diving into the the very specific pieces.
1: Yeah. And I think that's so easy to forget when it comes to communication, especially if you've been into business for a while and you have so much to say and you have so much you want to communicate. I think one of the most important things to do is to simplify things find a couple of KPIs, gather the team around, and then run together in the same direction.
0: (laughs) All right. So before we get onto the second half of this episode, I'd like to give a quick shout out to our close friends over at Mattermade. For those of you who don't know them, Mattermade helps some of the fastest growing B2B SaaS companies drive revenue as an extension of their marketing teams. We're talking companies like Dropbox, Calm, Loom, Product Board, and many others who trust Mattermade to help them drive their marketing and demand gen initiatives. You can check out their seemingly endless supply of case studies over at mattermade.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I... I will say some of uh, some of the most impressive people I've ever worked with in the business world, this one engagement comes to mind where we're we're dealing with a lot of Sequoia Capital people Mm -hmm. and or, or executives who have been reporting to Sequoia Capital boards. And these people will be really quiet for most of the meeting. And then they'll say something that's so, like, just, so, you know, they'll ask a question, like, they'll interrupt the conversation and like, say, What are we actually trying to do here? Yeah. Exactly. You know, and it's just like, it's like <laughs> seven words. And all of a sudden, everybody's mind is just like, Oh, thank you for asking that. Like, we're just so in the weeds, so yeah. off down a rabbit hole. Mm. <laughs> you know, and it's sometimes those very simple questions that can be the most impactful.
1: Yeah. And also find your, key strategic strategic direction so what we've been looking into that for the planning for 2021 i said okay so let's have five kind of directions that we need to gather the team around so it's been digital excellence so digital is the new normal Uh, let's plan for it and excel at it so everything should be digital Uh, we cannot assume anything else uh, data is king. So we have tons of data and we are an AI driven company. We, we need to make sure that we use our data wisely. Uh, when it comes to reporting, campaign setup, decision making, uh, scalability and smartness. Uh, so we need to prove ourselves. Ensure grow, great growth metrics and love for our product, love for our users. Something that's so easy to say, but something that you constantly need to remind yourself about. Uh, obsess about the products, obsess about the users, because if you're not doing that, I mean, who should do it? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then for us, it's a lot about classic like McDonald's philosophy, like think global, act local. So really have that key strategy, but be able to really adapt that on a regional level.
0: So how... How did you approach? I mean, we're all hoping for some stability in 2021. Yeah. <laughs> but at the same time, there are still a lot of unknowns and still a lot of variables that could shift dramatically the way that we behave as a company, market, sell, all of these things. So, you know, at the same time, all 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 of the companies out there right now are wrapping up their 2021 planning and budgeting. Yeah. So what what was your approach to? needing to solidify a plan uh, mm. and a budget in the face of all of the unknown. How did you approach that?
1: That's a good question. We What we did was we created a plan A. So that was what's our, what's our targets for 2021 and what's our kind of like cost budget when it comes to market? What should be our, our key KPIs? But then when it comes to planning, we did a detailed plan for Q1 and goals for Q1. And then we we're looking at the milestone-based approach where we also can make sure to scale up investments if we see that things work uh, or kind like change the strategy a bit to make sure to adapt to, to the new normal. Because who knows? Uh, we are where we are right now where everything's digital and everyone <laughs> so many lockdowns going on all over the world. But who knows if, if the world opens up in six months, we need to be super agile and suddenly possibility that we are doing online events again or trade shows or good traveling. And then we need to be Quick on that, so I think it's a matter of daring to make a lot of fast decisions and evaluating constantly. Be agile. Going back to that, but having that kind of like big picture strategy in place.
0: It really seems. We only we
1: did we only did yeah detailed planning for Q1 to be honest. So yeah,
0: it seems like the the pattern here in talking to a lot of really talented leaders in our industry is just the willingness to act quickly and the Mm -hmm. ability to act quickly. In any direction, the, the companies that that seem to get caught on the fence and paralyzed by decision making ultimately are the ones that can't keep up in the environment we're in right now.
1: Yeah, you're probably you're probably right, and then I think also giving that authority to the employees in the business to so that they dare to make their own decisions, because we're so dependent on all of our employees making those fast decisions every day, and if they know. The big picture, the strategy, they can kind of like act fast and help the business grow and yeah, uh, scale.
0: So that leads us to an interesting question then. What what are some of the other things that you have done or or ways in which you've adapted your leadership style to empower these teams through these times of change?
1: So changed it into like we spoke about. Kind of like we actually had to change our plans. I think it was four or five times this year (laughs) needed to be quite agile but to empower them to because one of my key beliefs is that a successful leader is kind of like this it depends on the success of the leader's team right so their success is my success so my mission is to make them become their best versions and really be high performance performers so I see myself as Kind of like I used to play a lot of um, a lot of soccer when I was younger, and I also used to be a soccer referee growing up. <laughs> it's kind of Amazing. like an extra job when I was a teenager. <laughs> so I see myself as uh, a soccer coach, and they're like the stars out there on the field doing their thing, <laughs> and I'm standing kind of like on the soccer field. Um, running kind of like running around uh sharing a bit coaching but also like asking them when it's time to change direction or when we need to change the team or take a break uh so i think that's all of yeah trying to create a lot of stars in the team who really can be high performers
0: makes sense so uh, now let's talk about your own performance i mean you're clearly already at what to many people would look like the top of a career, even though, you know, you're going to continue to push and and grow yourself. So who are some of the mentors or peers who have inspired you along the way to get to where you are today?
1: One of the people that I look up to a lot is our CEO and founder, Eric Fjellborg. So he founded Quinix when he was only 17 years old and worked extra at McDonald's and saw kind of like the need for, uh, <laughs> scheduling a scheduling system, uh, so he, he is uh, an amazing entrepreneur and really has that mindset to believing in his, in his management team and letting us really do our thing. <laughs> and uh, so he's one of the, the people that I really look up to. Who else? I had a couple of mentors, but I think it's also something that you can like, find a mentor when you have a need for it and then working together for a while. And then might learn something and then turn to another one within another field. So it's been different, different people that I've looked up to in my career, but I would definitely say Eric, the founder and CEO.
0: And then last question, as we wind things down, you know, your, your, your brain must just be constantly churning with work stuff and, and empowering your team and keeping everyone happy and healthy. How do you keep yourself happy and healthy and, and kind of wind down and clear your head outside of work?
1: Good question. So I try to really spend a lot of time with family and try to go back to basics, make sure I get enough sleep, make sure I work out, go for one, do some <laughs> yoga, spend time with friends and family.
0: Amazing. I, I see a pattern both in the work and professional strategies. So
1: <laughs> yeah, stick I'm to trying what works. To find that, yeah, stick to what works and trying to find that kind of work-life balance to make sure to, to get that good perspective and to set aside time for reflection.
0: Well, Johanna, this was a really fun conversation for me. Thank you for uh, spending some time with me.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you so much.